0: A power-hungry Karen tries to get me fired, but it ends up all backfiring, and she is the one who gets fired, and when that happens, she tries to sue for discrimination, which failed epically. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. A few years ago, I started working for a heavy industrial manufacturing company. I lucked out and got a great supervisor from my boss, Joe. The work was hard, working 12-hour days for 13 days in a row and then a Sunday off and then back for another 13 days. I was young and I didn't mind. It helped my wife and I save up for a house. After about six months, Joe noticed I was picking up on the work pretty fast and promoted me to a group leader position. This came with a raise and increased responsibility that most other workers didn't want. Joe put me in troubled groups in his department and I would work on general improvements and figuring out the issues. This was a union shop and the mentality was to just put in your hours. Don't work harder or smarter. Just do your time and don't kill the job. That was the unspoken motto. After a few years, Joe was promoted to manager and he transferred me with him to his departments. While I wasn't a supervisor yet, I was the supervisor in all but name. The supervisors loved it because they never had to leave the office and I liked it because it was a good learning experience. I made a good reputation and got a lot of respect from workers and from management. Eventually, Joe's areas were doing so well that he was promoted to plant manager. As before, he wanted to promote me with him. This time to a supervisor spot. We talked at length because the only supervisor spot open was working for Karen. Karen was female, a minority, and a member of the LGBTQ community. She was the poster child on the company website of the inclusiveness in the workplace. Literally, her face was the one that they used. She was also a freshly minted manager, and Joe was not confident in her abilities. But me, being the plucky go-getter with a can-do attitude, decided to take the position. I had to interview with Karen and got to meet some of her supervisors. They were very quiet and reserved. Once I was promoted, I worked in tandem with another supervisor, Chris. Chris was young. He had one small child and his wife was pregnant and a stay-at-home mom. During the first week, everything was going well. I was learning all the employees, getting to know the process, and getting my feeling for the area. During the second week, Chris's wife went into labor and she had a hard time. Chris went on paternity leave for six weeks and I was tossed into the deep and in charge of the whole area solo with 60 employees. I was barely treading water, but I was doing my best. When I would ask Karen for her guidance or assistance, she would scoff like it was beneath her and tell me, if I have to do your job, then I don't need you. So I gritted my teeth and worked my tail off. My wife got me a smartwatch and I was averaging 25,000 steps a day trying to keep everything running. We were holding our own and employees all did what they could to help as the situation was not ideal for everyone. A few weeks in, I was reviewing some quality documents and I noticed that one of the quality gates was not being followed. I emailed the information to the quality engineers and they lost their minds. This was a four-hour operation on a 20-hour part that we were skipping entirely. It turns out, one of the reasons Karen got promoted was because she was running her department so efficiently. Then it came to light that she made the decision to skip this quality process, saving that 20% off the time. Except the engineers never signed off on this and it caused massive damage control. The process had to be reinstated and the parts that were never checked had to have warranty extensions. This caused the company to have egg on their face and Karen to look bad. During this time, Karen also became more vindictive. She would openly tell people that she would never be fired and could do what she wanted. She would walk the departments and if she didn't like someone, she would make the supervisors write them up by the the end of the day she wanted us to find a reason and if we didn't she would take it out on the supervisors for example forcing the supervisors to stay late to do inventory or something else menial just because she could she would not let the supervisors make any decisions until she approved it so something like overtime had to wait for her approval and she would not respond until the end of day causing the departments to scramble then if there weren't enough overtime employees to do the work she would blame it on the supervisors while the supervisors knew this wasn't right We all needed our jobs and tried to do the best we could for Karen and the employees. We were mainly rodeo clowns to Karen being the bull. The first day Chris was back, him and I were both pulled into Karen's office. She started berating me on how poor of a job I was doing, making her look bad, and how I never came to her for help. This made me speechless because of the previous comments she made and the fact that supervisor work was beneath her. After the meeting, I was still a bit stunned, but I put it together that she was about to railroad me out of the company and this was the very first step. I called Joe and asked for a meeting that same day. When I got together with Joe, I started telling him about the things that were going on, and he had no idea. The harassment, the vindictive nature, everything. Ironically, while I was speaking with him, another supervisor called him to complain about Karen as well with the same grievances. Joe was stunned and said that he would speak with Karen, but he gave me a carte blanche on any open spot in the company starting the next day. He really didn't want to lose me. So I did a lateral transfer to a different department doing engineering and IT work and I thought that was the end of it. A few weeks later, I was leaving work and Karen mentioned that I never turned in my laptop and phone to her. I told her I didn't know I had to, but I could give it to her tomorrow. She smirked and said that she would get it back soon enough. I didn't think too much of it at the time, but after about six months, I had my review with my boss, Jake. The review went great. He was very happy with my work and was a bit surprised at how fast I picked things up. At the end of the meeting, Jake mentioned offhand how Karen tried to intervene in the review and get me fired, but Joe stepped in and squashed it. Okay, Karen, now you pissed me off. After I left Karen's department, the turnover rate went up through the roof. The supervisors were quitting at a rate of one every three months. Keep in mind that this is a legacy company that had multi-generations working. Fathers, sons, mothers, entire families. Some areas had three generations working side by side, and yet Karen was rolling over employees Supervisors like a steamroller Working for her became the kiss of death I casually mentioned to Joe about the Turnover and he told me he couldn't figure Out what was going on people were quitting Without notice and no one was doing Exit interviews I told Joe that Karen was writing people up to force Them out when they would hand her the resignation Letter or two weeks notice she would Tell them to leave immediately and then Throw away the letter then she would tell HR that the person quit right on the Spot and that was the end of it Joel told me That because of who she was and how high she was The company wouldn't do anything to her until they had an airtight case. So, I went to work. I took the supervisors working for Karen out drinking after work a few times each week and made sure I had my hand on the pulse. If someone was quitting, I made sure they emailed their letter of resignation to Karen and CC'd Joe and Human Resources, stayed for their exit interview, and that they called the company Integrity Hotline for good measure. Things were progressing well and I had all the supervisors on board except for Chris. Chris really needed the job and Karen was not right. Writing him up. Through a stroke of luck, I found out Karen was lowballing his raises as a cost saving measure. That's why she was not harassing him. When I told Chris he was furious and wanted to quit on the spot, I encouraged him to speak with Joe before he leaves. Joe and Chris had a very productive meeting and Chris decided to stay. Now all the supervisors were on board. Joe brought in an HR big wig from the headquarters in Kansas, and over the course of a week, each supervisor was sent in for an interview discreetly without Karen noticing. By the time the inter- interviews were over, they had emails, texts, eyewitnesses, and a mountain of evidence. This next part I heard from other people, human resources, Joe, etc. Despite everything, the company wanted to keep this quiet. So they brought in Karen and said that they no longer needed her and offered a very generous severance package. Karen being Karen, lost it on the HR people and threatened to sue for discrimination and even called a lawyer. That's when the company pulled out the stack of evidence and rescinded the severance offer. After a few months, Karen found a new job as a manager in a different factory and I found out where. I casually mentioned to the union reps at my factory where Karen was working and suggested that maybe they should give the union at the other factory a call. She was fired within three months for employee harassment. The last I heard, she had to sell her house and move out of state to find a job. Am I the jerk for getting revenge on Karen? So if she didn't threaten to sue them, they were prepared to give her this generous severance package. But it's almost like they knew for a fact that she would try to sue them, or at least threaten to sue them there, which is probably why they were so confident in offering her this severance package. The most wild part of this entire story leading up to the end was the fact that the company rewarded her, praised her for being so efficient, only to ultimately find out that she was just cutting out all the safety precautions, the quality assurance step or whatever they called it. How did nobody notice that until the OP found it? They gave her all this praise, but they weren't interested in her method for being so efficient. They just accepted it at face value. That seems really strange, but maybe they just figured nobody would ever skip the quality assurance phase of the operation. It was just too out there to even consider that somebody would do that, and yet she did it. Apparently, warranty extensions in this industry are not cheap, and because they weren't able to do anything besides get the warranty extensions, it probably cost the company quite a bit of money. Some people were wondering, of course, why didn't she get fired right when that was discovered? Well, the original poster here said that they wanted it to be airtight, and maybe that wasn't airtight enough because if she could prove it wasn't intentional or that it was an accident or she didn't understand how the system worked enough, maybe she could avoid getting fired because of that. But let me know if you've ever had a work experience with somebody like this down below and what would you do if you're in the situation? Jerk or not a jerk and why? Am I the jerk for scaring my sister-in-law with a cardboard cutout of the rock? I'm a 32 year old female and my sister-in-law who's 43 is super nosy. It's come up before but she's one of those people that will just deny something to the death. No matter how much proof you have and then get angry at you for not believing her. At my house, the guest bathroom is partially shared with the master bedroom. The toilet and sink are separate for guests. Then through a door, you can get to the shower, our closets, and another sink. Then through an additional door is the bedroom, if that makes any sense. Basically, you can get into our bedroom through the bathroom without going through the main door of the bedroom. So when she comes over, she would sometimes just take a bit too long in the bathroom. During maybe the third or fourth time, I happened to be walking by the bathroom and I heard, two doors closed. I asked her if she was looking for something in the bedroom and if I could help her find it. She replied with, Now, why would I go into your bedroom? And then change the subject. The next time she was going to come over, I said something small behind the bedroom door so I could see if it had been opened by the small item being pushed back. Later, I could see that it had been. So for me, it confirmed that she had been snooping again. I asked directly if she'd been in our bedroom, and she said something like, I don't care what's in your bedroom. Get over yourself. So yes, Yesterday, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law came over, but before that, I ordered a full-size cutout of Dwayne Johnson, which I placed in our bedroom facing the bathroom door. About an hour into the visit, she heads into the bathroom. Very shortly after, there's a scream, a thud, and then a door slam. She came out angry. She'd been quite startled and slammed her upper arm into the doorframe while turning away from the cutout. My brother-in-law made it worse by asking, well, why were you in their bedroom? But she didn't answer and then they left. She's posted on Facebook that she has a big bruise on her arm as a result of my nasty prank. People are saying that she could have been hurt worse and that she's too old to be the victim of a childish prank. I feel bad that she was hurt. It wasn't my intention, but I might be the jerk because I still think that it was hilarious. So, am I the jerk? This actually is pretty hilarious. It makes me wonder what she was trying to find in that bedroom, or maybe she didn't want to find anything at all. She could just be somebody who likes to just look around, but having this direct doorway into the bedroom was too much of a temptation to resist. If the sister-in-law just continuously lies about stuff like this, I feel like you might not have any other choice other than to put a lock on that door that you can only access from the side of the bedroom. I mean, how else would you handle that situation without having her go on Facebook and turning the situation on you so that you are the bad guy? But it's hard to imagine anyone coming up with a better way to handle this than the Dwayne the Rock Johnson cardboard cutout. So let me know if you have a better idea of how you would handle this and jerk or not a jerk and why. Am I the jerk for a poopy situation? I recently moved into a property that backs up to an HOA, a homeowners association neighborhood. My yard is adjacent to about four of theirs. I am not a part of the HOA. The road to my house is a small private road and runs parallel to their private road. So when I first moved in, the county told me my trash pickup location was on their road. Mine's not a good spot for a trash truck to turn around. After about two pickups, I find a note on my trash can with the usual HOA BS. They say I can't leave my can on their road, etc. Etc., etc. Whatever. I take it to the end of my road and that works fine. Next, I try and get hooked up with gas because electric heating is expensive. The nearest gas line runs down their road. The utility company is cool with it, but they block the construction. Fine. I install a tank and shortly thereafter get another note on my door saying that the noise from the installation was disturbing and the tank is an eyesore. It's a buried tank. You can't even see the cap from the HOA properties. That was that for around Six months except for a few complaints about me mowing my lawn outside of the HOA designated mowing hours but within county hours until a flatbed with a backhoe backs into my driveway. I walk out to see what's going on and apparently the sewer connection for the HOA runs under my property. Something's clogged and they need to tear the pipe up to get a look. Long story short, apparently the builder had some handshake deal with the previous owner about that sewer line and gave up a few blocks to let them run it through the property. No easement on the deed, nothing in writing. I sent the backhoe guy off. Next, the HOA president comes and knocks on my door and tells me the sewer is causing backups in several of the houses and no one can use their toilets. Shower, run sinks, etc. until it's all fixed and rerunning the sewer down their road instead of across my property is going to cost millions of dollars that they don't have and take months. I said something like, man, that sucks for you. I hope you get it fixed soon. The sign says no trespassing though, so if you could keep off the property, I'd appreciate it. Have a nice day. I got a letter from their lawyer with a lot of threats a bit later, but didn't see much to back them up legally. I figure they can take me to court if they want. They've had some giant loud mobile poop tank stuck in someone's backyard for the past three months, and I see no signs of a new pipe. A few of the HOA residents stopped by and said that the houses were basically unlivable with the pump. They could only take a shower that was five minutes long, They could only flush number two, and they can't sleep from the noise. It costs a lot of money, and someone lost a house sale, etc, etc. And also that they didn't have any part in the HOA stupidity other than living in it. I told them that I feel for them, but that HOA has been a pain in my rear since week one, and I'm not inclined to let them go driving construction equipment across and digging holes in a yard that I worked hard on after the way that they've been treating me. They told me that I was a jerk. So am I the jerk? This is one of those situations where the people receiving the punishment or the consequences of a situation aren't necessarily the people that did the wronging in the first place. The HOA was. They were on this guy pretty much since he first moved in, but the fact that they would be like that and not realize that they also needed something from him at the same time is pretty baffling. Maybe it really was just the single HOA president that had the handshake deal and nobody else in the HOA knew about this agreement, so they thought they could just run wild with complaints and causing the original poster here a bunch of trouble. Eventually, this whole mobile poop pump thing that they have is a temporary solution with no long-term solution even in the works is probably gonna violate some sort of rule from the county, either being too loud, not being where it's supposed to be, and maybe the OP will end up reporting them for that. But again, I feel bad for the people living there that are not on the HOA. They just live there and they're kind of the collateral damage of this entire situation. So if you were the original poster here, how would you handle this situation? Would you allow them to... To dig up your yard to fix their sewer line, or would you handle it how the OP did here? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. Am I the jerk for refusing to bend the rules on seeing my newborn just for one person, my sister-in-law, even if it's the only chance she's had to see him for months? I'm a 34-year-old female and I gave birth on Christmas Day. Before my son's birth and to lessen visits, we, me and my 28-year-old husband, made a list in October and sent it out to everyone. Some rules include up to date on all vaccines. If you feel any way sick, don't visit. Let us know a week beforehand so we can arrange a day and time. No smokers, no phone calls or visits between 7 30 and 10 p.m. You can only stay an hour. No picking up the baby without consent. No advice, no perfume or deodorant. No is no and we will not explain why. No pictures to be taken or posted on social media. If you visit the first time, you will be expected to give the mom. Me, a gift card, and the baby, a gift from our approved list. Before you ever come, no matter how many times, you will be given a list of either food or groceries to bring with you and chores to be chosen off a list of your choosing. No more than two visits per week per person. It's helped to keep the visits to a minimum, and no one can complain about favoritism because everyone is treated equally. Which brings me to my current situation with my sister in law, who's a 20 year old female. She studies in a different part of the country is rarely home and asked to visit last week before she had to go back to school. So we set up a date and linked to our gift list and then we sent her the takeout that we'd like, including some chores that she can choose from. She texted back immediately saying that she's broken and she can do the extra chores instead. Me and my husband talked about it and came to the decision that if we bent the rules for one person, everyone would want the same treatment. We told her no, that we were very clear about our rules and maybe next time she could visit. She begged and said that she would even clean the whole house because it would be June before she would be home again and we simply texted no. She didn't reply. She left this morning and we got multiple texts from my in-laws belittling us for using our child as a cash grab. My husband simply replied it was our rules and no one deserved special treatment. Then told his family that they were on a timeout and we blocked them. Since then my family and our friends have told us that we were wrong because she is a broke college student and they would have understood if we looked the other way once. We tried reaching out to his sister but she won't reply. So am I the jerk for refusing to bend the rules on seeing my newborn for just one person even though it was the only chance she had to see him for months? This is extreme. They're basically holding the baby hostage and nobody can see the baby unless they comply with all of their demands. They might as well write out all the requirements on a ransom letter so that they can feel like it's a themed experience when they're picking out which chores they want to do. It's one thing if you've had a baby and you say hey when you're over can you help me out with this thing because it's been really difficult for me versus give me money, give me chores, give me money and chores. And I feel bad for the 20-year-old sister-in-law because she probably doesn't have money. She's not lying about that. She even offered to clean the entire house as a way to balance it out to make the OP here, the original poster, happy. Maybe the OP and the husband here were really counting on cash coming in in order to execute whatever plans they had, which is something that you kind of hear from time to time about weddings where people are really counting on a bunch of cash from their wedding in order to finance whatever it is they're trying to do like a down payment on a house or just pay for the honeymoon. You just don't really see that happen as often with restricting who can see your baby. So if you were the sister-in-law in in this situation, the one that got denied from seeing the baby, how would you have handled the situation? And let me know down below, jerk or not a jerk and why?